Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Now, here's the host of WP Tonic, Jonathan Dinwood and John Locke. Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 183. Today, we've got the immense pleasure of talking to WordPress developer extraordinaire Tom McFarland. Before we get into today's show, though, we have a pair of sponsors that we want to give thanks to. First, we want to give thanks to our first sponsor, Beaver Builder, a drag and drop builder without the frustration. Beaver Builder works effortlessly with your web projects. And if you're a developer, you'll love it because it doesn't leave a ton of obtrusive markup. If you're a client, you'll love Beaver Builder because it's easy to use, not overwhelming, and it just works. But the big thing that sets Beaver Builder apart from other page builders is the Beaver Builder community and their unparalleled support team. Both of these are exceptional. There's tons of third-party extensions around Beaver Builder, so it has tons of functionality. And after using Beaver Builder on some client sites, I can say personally, I'll never use another page builder again. It's that easy to use. And with the Beaver Builder 2.0 new interface and the Beaver Themer coming right around the corner, if you've been on the fence about using a page builder, now might be the time to give Beaver Builder a try. Go to their website, wpbeaverbuilder.com. And also want to give thanks to our other sponsor, Liquid Web. Now, while Liquid Web has best been known as a managed hosting company with tons of options, it's also designed to manage WordPress offering that's perfect for mission-critical sites. So if you're looking for improved performance, maximized uptime, and incredible support, Liquid Web is the high-performance partner that you've been looking for. Now, every Liquid Web managed WordPress customer also has iTheme Sync integrated into their management portal, allowing them to update several sites with a single touch. And if you sign up today using the discount code WPTONIC33, you'll get a 33% discount for the next six months. Visit liquidweb.com slash WordPress to get started and use that code WPTONIC33. And with that, Tom, for those in the audience who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So first off, thank you for having me. My name, as you mentioned, is Tom McFarlane, and I have been a WordPress. I've been involved with WordPress since 2003. I've been a professional WordPress developer since um, over the past six years, seven years or so. And I blog daily. I run a small company called Pressware, where we build custom solutions for clients using WordPress. And right now we're actually... We generally focus on custom plugins and small applications built on top of WordPress, things like that. I blog daily at TomMcFarland.com, um, and uh, I live in the suburbs of Atlanta, Georgia with my wife, my two daughters, my two crazy dogs, and I work out of the house. So if you happen to hear any noise in the background, that would be them, although hopefully they'll remain quiet for the remainder of the podcast. <laughs> Right on the ATL. Uh, and I want to introduce my other co host, Jonathan. Uh, hi there, folks. I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We're a maintenance support company specialized only in WordPress. I just want to say I've been looking forward to this interview with um, 
it's um, it's going to be a blast. And um, I would say we're your trusted partner, aren't we, John? We try to be trusted, definitely. And myself, John Locke, my business is Lockdown Design. I provide custom WordPress development and SEO to e-commerce and small to medium enterprise businesses so they can focus on their business. Uh, getting right into it, Tom, your origin story. I always like to ask people this. How did you first get into web development? What first gave you the itch to, you know, uh, types code for a living? Oh, wow. So back when I was nine years old, we got our, and I'll, I'll give it a brief, I'm not going to go over the next like several decades, but when I was nine years old, we got our very first PC. Now, when I was really small, we had an Apple IIe. I was too young to really get into computing at that time. But when I was nine years old, we got our first PC. It was a, um, it was a 386 and it had Windows 3.1 on it. And we shortly upgraded to a 486DX. Got, uh, let's see, we had Prodigy was our first ISP, but it wasn't until I got on America Online at 56K and I started with 14.4. Um, and then moved up, you know, to 28.8 and then to 56K that I began to wonder how is ever how is what am I seeing on the screen happening? What's happening in this box to show up on the screen? And over a period of I don't even know months or so, um, I began perusing the uh, programming forums that were online or that were on America Online, and then we eventually or and I, and I and I. And I got enough to understand the basic programming language. So I got a copy of Visual Basic 3 and started tinkering, tinkering around with it. Now, when it got into dealing with like the Windows APIs and things like that, that was that's where it got kind of heavy. But then uh, after we after AOL kind of faded out and we got on DSL and I was it was just you have your cable modem and you're browsing the web. And you know, I guess you still have AIM. Um, I got really interested in uh, web development. And so learned HTML and this was before, you know, we had CSS and this is when JavaScript was still kind of a language that you use to do little cheesy effects on your, on your website. So I really worked to learn HTML and then, you know, you had all of your inline styles and things like that. But anyway, from there, pretty much from the time I was nine years old, I knew I wanted to do something with computing for the rest of my life. Now, in terms of going from a revolution of seeing like having a 386 to having something like an iPhone or an Android that's more powerful than what those devices were, um, has been pretty incredible. And I went on to college, majored in computer science, specialized in software engineering, and I had always been attracted to web applications. Um, yeah, I, I, I did. Uh, I, I studied stuff, uh, systems and networks and embedded devices and all kind of things like that. But the web always appealed to me, mainly because it was available on every device. And even though we have seen changes in how web applications and web sites are built from just static HTML to all kind of di- dynamic content to all kind of different um, tooling and builders and microservices. And we've gone from separation of concerns all the way full circle to react where you're putting your styles and your JavaScript and your markup back in the same language. The web is just, it's so prevalent and it's been something that I have happened to stick with. It's, it's not that I haven't studied other things. Uh, Objective C, for example, it's just, I keep coming back to the web. And so high level, not talking about WordPress, not talking about any, 
you know, Ruby on Rails, not talking about .NET, just nothing in particular, just web applications and the web in general has just been the one platform that I've always been interested in. So that's about the quickest abbreviated origin story I can give you without getting into too many details. No, that's pretty awesome. And I love how you put that, you know, the, the web is magical because I think it's, it's it's different from a lot of things in in the web. There's something about it, you know, and the people who remember that that uh, modem uh, crackle of the AOL is just like a magical sound. You know, you're you're tapping into real time uh, stuff where you can create. Um, you know, nowadays, uh, as a prolific teacher, um, programmer, blogger. But what attracted you initially to the WordPress ecosystem? And how do you come from the .NET world like into the WordPress ecosystem? That is a really good question. And it's one that I always enjoy. Like if I go to a WordCamp or any other type of conference, it always strikes people a little bit. Uh, they, it's like, why are you working with WordPress? So um, to back up, I first got involved around... so. I was doing um, actually when I was interning in college, I was doing I was maintaining an ASP application, not ASP.net, but an ASP application where serialized XML was being saved in a database and then DBScript was kind of the intermediary intermediate level. And then I went on to do um, I did so many projects in school, but I, what really kind of got in, me into web application development was Ruby on Rails. And a lot of it was because of it used the model, model view controller paradigm, which just happened to fit my conceptual model of how the web works. It just fit it like a glove, to use a cliche. And that is where I first kind of thought, okay, this is where I kind of want to hang out professionally. And so at the same time, while I was in college, they wanted some um, students uh, at the College of Computing under the Institute to blog about their experiences as a student, like basically a day in the life of a student. And you just blog. And I have had blogs off and on. I mean, I was I had a blog when I was a kid and it wasn't even really this is before blogs existed. I was literally going in and editing static HTML. And my parents were tech savvy enough to look at the timestamps. And deter and find out that I was getting up after they had gone to bed and going down and tinkering on the computer and then being like, you should not be on the computer at 2 a.m. at 11 years old. There's just nothing good that can come from that. So I had been writing for, quote unquote, writing for a long time. So when they offered that opportunity, I thought, yeah, like, that's no problem at all. I enjoy writing. I've blogged for a while. I had originally done Blogspot before it was Blogger. And um they happened to set me up with a WordPress account. And this was back when um, Kubrick was the default theme. I can't remember the jazz name that was associated with the release. Doesn't really matter. But the first kind of um, tinkering I did with WordPress was when I wanted to customize the theme. So I just, I wanted to customize Kubrick. I didn't care much about getting into looking around at the themes or downloading other plugins or things like that. And at that point, you're, I mean, as a computer science student, you're like, hey, I can... I know this, but I know PHP. I can build, I'll just, I'll just write the code and do it myself because everybody at some point, it's a rite of passage. I'm going to do it myself. So that was really my first tinkering with WordPress. Um, and then, yeah, there were some projects that I had that were my, my, uh, MySQL and PHP throughout school, but WordPress kind of stayed at, 
part of my life as I went on, because not only did I blog as a student, I blogged throughout my internships, I blogged what it was like to go back as being a student, what it was like to do senior design. And then once I graduated, I began working for a large internet company here in Atlanta and they, uh, I was doing .NET web app development. Well, I was used, I decided, Hey, I'm just going to share what it's like. I'm going to do a continuation of my blog and I'm going to share what it's like to be a student who's now gone into the, into the workforce and share what I've learned. And yeah, there's the fear that comes with that. And we can, you know, if you're interested, we can talk about it. If not, no big deal, but there's the fear of putting yourself out there and sharing knowledge that other people may already know and all that stuff that comes with it. So I did that. And then, um, when I, over that, during that time, after I would go to work during the day in the evenings, I'd have people asking me for small web projects. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, I, it was just my wife and me. We were, I was literally, I was married at 23, didn't have any kids, made, did not mind sitting at my computer for even longer at the end of the day to build something for someone else for extra side money. So it got to a point where I was doing Ruby on Rails and WordPress. And then I decided to go self-employed. And as I did, I was doing Ruby on Rails and WordPress and the demand for WordPress began to just increase to a point where I said, I think I can fold Ruby on Rails. So I did. And that's not knocking Rails. I still keep up with it. And I still really like what the Basecamp guys and the Basecamp team are doing. But as far as WordPress is concerned, I continue to work with it. And uh, from there, I mean, as they say, the rest is just history. What I've done is taken my background in computer science and software engineering and try to apply it in WordPress. And I tend to view WordPress, like I have done core contributions, but I tend to view it uh, voluntarily as a black box on which I can build things. I don't try to worry too much about deep diving into core and getting into any of the religious debates that happen around it. It's not to say those aren't good. There are, there are people who are made for that. And there's people who, uh, should be having those discussions. Uh, and I think it's important to follow those discussions so that as a developer, you know what's happening under the hood and so that you know what's coming downstream or coming coming in future versions. But for me, it's, okay, the customer has a problem. They want a solution. I'm interested in architecting a solution for them on top of WordPress. No, definitely. And something you mentioned um, with the daily blogging, when you felt the fear um, or you said there initially there was a fear of, of putting stuff out there that pe other people had talked about. But one thing that I really wanted to ask you is, is where the decision to blog daily come from? Was that something that was always within you? Um, and when you did that, what kind of effect did that have on your overall career? The second half of that question is really good. I don't get asked that question very much, but the impact that it's had is great. Um, I'll, uh, but I'll answer in the, in the way that you asked. So first off, I didn't set out to blog daily. I set out to just kind of record my own thoughts as an open journal. And I was just saying, hey, here's the problem that I had in .NET or in JavaScript or with Prototype or with jQuery or whatever. Here's the problem. Here's how I solved it. Um, then any other general notes, gotchas, things to consider. And then sometimes I would get comments and sometimes I wouldn't. Uh, sometimes it would be once a week I would write. Sometimes it would be three times a week, whatever. And then I took, there would be times where like a week or two would go by and I wouldn't do anything. I just wasn't concerned with anything but just writing when I felt like it. But 
I'm one of those, and I still have these notebooks in a drawer here in my office. I keep copious notes. Like I still handwrite. I still very much believe in um, when people talk about journaling, I don't sit down at the end of the day and say, you know, dear journal, today was a great day or today was a bad day. But if I have like a random thought or a random whatever about something, I will jot it down because I don't know what it's going to lead to. Um, and there's evidence that suggests that, A, when you write things down, you're more apt to act on it. You're more apt to remember it more or uh, or just remember it, period. Um, different things. And so as I started to realize that I'm going into meetings at work and I'm jotting down all of these notes, uh, I'm also creating this backlog of content for a blog. So I said, okay, I'm going to get a little more formal about this because there were bloggers at the time who I looked up to and I thought, I wonder if I could do what they're doing. Um, and it wasn't like a challenge accepted. It was just, I enjoy writing. Can I write consistently about this one topic? So I tried it and I set milestones for myself. The first thing was I'm just going to write three times or uh, it was one time a week. And then I moved up to, after I was able to consistently do it and develop the backlog, I did three times a week. And then I tried to do five times a week. And after that, it became where I would have uh, two weeks worth of ideas. Now, not all of them would come into fruition, but I would have at least, say, <clears throat> anywhere between 10 to 14 ideas for posts written down. And then I would get into to writing about them. And the fear eventually goes away. But I will give a cautionary tale that I tend to just write about um, programming topics in the sense of they're up for conversation because there's no one right way. Well, in some, in, in many cases, there's no one right way to do something. And so it fosters conversation around how might you approach this decision or this solution. I have misstepped before where I have gotten into the um, social aspect of programming or the social uh socioeconomic, or even some people may even say on the fringes of politics, but um, that was never my intent. And I'm not someone who is necessarily interested in blogging about that. I think it's great that there are people that are, but I'm not that person. So um, I try to strictly, so, so to, to bring that full circle with the fear is I had a problem, like I did have a couple of times where I wrote a post that was not strictly programming related, but was tangentially related. And the comments just got away from me and it went, then it gets on Twitter and things just, it, it, it turns into this thing. And I think, my gosh, I, this is not, this is not what I wanted or ever saw it. So I have a pretty strong rule where if it's not strictly programming related, as far as WordPress is concerned, I don't write about it. That's not to say I won't talk about it, but um, as a as a side note, when you want to talk about something that's socioeconomic or political, I call into question the ability to effectively do that in 140 characters. Um, I don't use Facebook really, so I mean I don't know how people I I, I I used to, but I just don't think that you can have people will say let's have a conversation or let's dialogue about this online and i just don't think you can my my personal opinion is you can't because there's so many factors that are involved when you're talking face to face with someone or voice to voice even with someone and i would much rather do that uh face to face than online in an online medium now 
the second part of your question, uh, in terms of the impact that it's had, <laughs> I have to laugh because the thing that developers, myself included, are really bad at nine times out of 10 is marketing. And to this day, I still will consult with people who are in marketing and ask them, hey, how would you approach this? How would you do this? What's your suggestion for getting the word out about this, et cetera? But the, my blog has turned into a marketing channel that I never intended it to be. I don't try to sell myself. I don't try to sell a product. I might say, hey, I've released a plugin or hey, I'm working on this. But the goal is not to say, hey, you should go buy this. Because, um, you know, marketing or sales or advertising is to basically push a product. I, I don't know if that's a good phrase to use or not, but I'm not trying to push anything. I'm just saying, here's what I'm working on. Well, over time, it has turned into a marketing channel where I will get emails and uh, I've got to meet some fantastic people at conferences. I've never really ever regretted going to a WordCamp because I've met other bloggers there. I've met other developers there, business owners, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's always been such great conversations. And um, so it has inadvertently turned into a marketing channel that has fostered a pipeline of work that allows me to have this business and now have two contractors, which was something that I never thought, like I never thought I'd do anything beyond myself, but and that might be a whole other story. So I know that's a long answer to your two questions, but I don't, I didn't want to give you a half-baked answer to something that I think is so important for anyone who's listening about the benefits of blogging. And it's interesting that you say that, you know, that, that, um, the, the writing has become like part of your marketing, how I think myself and then maybe a lot of other people perceive you as what you're actually marketing is not necessarily Tom McFarlane's services or the services of Pressware, but right. rather a focus on code quality. Um, and I think because of that, a lot of people hire you and Pressware to do work for them. So, you know, where does that passion for code quality come from? And second part of the question, has the, overall the code quality in the WordPress ecosystem gotten better as uh, an effect of, of people like yourself and, and other people out there um, focusing on making sure that, that other people are, are using best development practices. So the, in terms of where does it come from, this has been something that the older that I've gotten and the more that I've studied software construction, it's always just kind of, I hate to say it like this, but I, ha, I think I have a decent analogy. It, it's always kind of been there and I always want to get better at it. So take, for example, something that you're very passionate about, perhaps as a hobby. I just happen to turn my hobby into a profession, which I don't know if this is always a good idea or not. But let's say that where does your love for music come from? Where does one's love for art or movies or uh, photography come from? Sometimes people have concrete answers for that stuff. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes there is something innate to the individual that has them. And uh, I think that some people might say, hey, you were just born at the right time in history. Some people may say something in your life fostered the interest in um, <laughs> object-oriented programming and best practices for things like that. I mean, I don't, I, for me, it's just part of who I am. And I, I, I will say that I think a portion of it 
has been that I have worked with people who, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but I've worked with people who have treated programming and their jobs uh, as just a standard nine to five. And that is very hard for me to wrap my head around because a nine to five could be any other job. But programming is one of those things that it doesn't leave you alone. You go to bed at night and you're thinking about a problem. You, you're driving home and you might be listening to a podcast about what you're doing. I mean, it, you're, you're immersed in it. And, and so my passion and interest in high quality software construction comes from partially, I think, who I am and partially just the desire to want to get better at it. Um, I can say the same thing about uh, playing the guitar. I've played guitar since I was uh, in the seventh grade. So it's very close to when I got into computing. But the point is that I'm trying to make with that is I also don't want to convey myself as being the end all be all of WordPress or, 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 or I don't want to convey, I don't want to present myself as someone who has it all together. I know an incredibly amount of, I know an incredible amount of smart people who are better at software <coughs> construction than I am. Some of them I know personally, and I'm constantly trying to learn from them. Some of them I know just because they write books, you know, it's like, Hey, I read a great book from Stephen Covey. Stephen Covey is quote unquote, a mentor. Some people might say so. You know, it, it comes from a variety of different places in terms of how to get better. And so dovetailing into the WordPress economy, has it gotten better? That is a really good question. And that's something that I find myself, I, I try to keep my finger on the pulse of this stuff as best as I can. And what I can definitively say is that there are people who I know personally who are running small shops who are building custom solutions for other people who are doing a fantastic job of, I don't want to say like doing it right, but they have a lot of really great practices in place. But these companies are so uh, heads down or they don't like writing that you just don't hear from them. Then you have other people who are fantastic at the same stuff and they're consultants and they like getting online and talking about this. Maybe it's on Stack Exchange. Maybe it's on track. Maybe it's on, maybe it's on Twitter. I don't know. But they're these the 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 way that they think is is fantastic. So there are people who are doing great work within the WordPress economy. But the inevitable, not that you're implying this by any means, but the elephant in the room is if there's all this, if there's all these best practices and there's all this great stuff happening in WordPress. And Stack Overflow comes out saying WordPress is one of the most dreaded technologies. And that's a conversation for maybe later, maybe later this phone call, maybe another podcast. Why then is, why is it, why is WordPress looked upon so poorly? And uh, there's a lot wrapped up in that. I mean, anyone who I think has taken a debugger and gone through just a handful of standard API calls and seen how much code makes up WordPress and then remembers this is over 10 years worth of code that is powering over a quarter of the internet approximately. There's going to be bad code in there. There's going to be great code in there. Um, there's going to be some really confusing code in there, but I don't know what a developer was thinking when he or she was writing that code. I don't know the constraints. I don't know the requirements. I don't know why it was done that way. Could code be refactored? 
always. Is there code that I've written that could be refactored? Yes, absolutely. I probably wrote some last week that could be refactored. I know I wrote some two years ago that could be refactored. But if we just, and this sounds so, um, I don't know if it sounds like hippie or I, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a uh, universal term, you know, across the pond, but it, it it's, there's always room for improvement. And so to say, to ask the question, has it gotten better? You know, I, I don't know, but I, but, but seeing more and more people talking about wanting to have things like better dependency management, that leads me to believe that we are at least on the cusp of adopting some things that other frameworks and other parts of the PHP community have already done. So I think we're getting there. And um, I think that it's going to be interesting to see, say, in a year from today, what are we doing? Because we can sit there and use Composer in our projects now. But for WordPress core, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other adventure. Definitely. Um, we're going to go to our break, and then when I, we come back, I'm going to pass the mic over to Jonathan Denwood, and then we'll be talking more with Tom McFarland. See you in just a second. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back from the break and I'm passing the baton over to Jonathan Denwood. Take it away. Thanks, John. So, Tom, um, I thought it was really interesting when you said um, yourself, you know, that people, when you tell people about your background, going to Virginia Tech, being classically trained in computer science from a very highly respected technical college, that they're surprised that you're involved in WordPress. Um, where do you think that comes from? Uh, part of it, well, first, and the Virginia Tech is a great school, but I live, I went to Georgia Tech. Oh, and sorry, I, just, I apologize. No, no need to apologize. I just want to get it. Um, I, another I, the, great school. The, the, well, thank you. But the reason I bring that up is because uh, I there's a number of um, alumni, peers, et cetera, who I still keep up with and uh, will pass around podcasts and articles and things in which, you know. So anyway, all that said, to answer your question, why do I think. Um, why do I get the response that I do when I say that I work with WordPress? One. Excuse me. One, I think it's because. It's not, as they say, quote unquote, the new hotness. It's not your React. It's not your Swift. It's not your Laravel. It's not some addition uh, of a micro. It's not made up of microservices. It's not got some kind of fancy database behind it. I mean, that can give you in number of reasons. But to me, uh, all of that stuff... Some of that is a fad, and we've seen that happen. 
with a number of other different languages and platforms and things like that. Um, some of it, maybe not so much. Will the day come where we're building microservices on WordPress? I mean, we can do it now. Um, so those kind of arguments to me are, they're a little suspect, but when you're looking at what people are doing with, you know, for years and years and years, it was Ruby on Rails, Ruby on Rails, Ruby on Rails, Ruby on Rails. And then I think it's peaked and that's not a bad thing. That just means it has hit a, a, I don't know if it's hit critical mass, but it has, it has hit a critical mass where lots of people are using it. There are a lot of Rails developers who are out there. And you can build a lot of amazing things on Rails. And it's got a really great uh, organization of, how, you know, it's convention over configuration. But then Laravel comes along. So now Laravel is uh, great for building web applications, just like Ruby on Rails, but it's in PHP. It's got a lot of similar concepts in it, but it's slightly different tooling. There's some neat things they have going on with the web server, um, with Valet, things like that. Um, but WordPress has pretty much stayed the same since over a decade. I mean, if you have Apache, if you have PHP as far back as 5.6, and you've got a MySQL database, you can run WordPress. That's not attractive to a lot of people, especially people who are younger than I am. They want to be dealing with the new, with the, with with whatever's new. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there is something about um, WordPress's staying power, and there are still exciting things about WordPress that and this is something that i just tell people when they find out that that's what i've opted to do i mean and people are still using net let's not i mean let's not leave that out people are still using net but but with wordpress as it is now i tend to view like the potential that plugins alone have you can build small not even small you can build larger apps on top of wordpress you uh, with i know just today matt published a i don't know i think it was on the make one of the make blogs about how there's not a lot of evidence to suggest that the WordPress REST API is being used much in WP admin or something like that. I, I wish I had the email up and I could cite it better. I don't want to misquote anything, but um, with things like that, like I'm working on a project right now with a, uh, with a larger company and we are using the REST API to do some really neat things. And so there are, even though WordPress and the surrounding architectures may be old or the surrounding languages and tooling may be old, the things that you're now able to do with it versus what you could do with it just three years ago has changed. And so the ability to think a little bit differently about how to handle mm, yeah, pl approaching plugin development, um, you know, I, I know that some, I know that there was just released a theme that was completely powered by the REST API. And then some of the work that I'm doing for a larger uh, internet service, like the, the way that we're able to solve problems now, thanks to some of these stuff, thanks to some of these things. Um, and let's not mention, let's not forget to mention like WCLI, that project. There's just so, there are these pockets of really cool things that are happening, but people don't know about them because they they're a little more, um, I don't know if esoteric is the right word, but they're very niche. And so WordPress itself is database, PHP, WordPress, blogging. And there's so much more to it than that. But not the, the, I don't think the average software developer knows that much about it because they don't spend that much time in it. Yeah, I think that's another key factor. You know, I think everything you said is correct. But that last point... They're just not in that 
kind of community that often so um perspectives are slightly wrong um another question um we have a regular panel show and we are blessed with uh Moulton Hendricks and from Linda yeah um, and he's um recently published a, a post the 2080 rule around how improvements to WordPress should really be um I wouldn't say controlled but um, I'm trying to, I'm struggling for the right word here Tom apologize um no, no, should be should be influenced by user data and um there isn't enough user data really um collected um by WordPress to make logical decisions. I don't know if you um looked at the article or know about it, but have you got any thoughts about how decisions around core and major improvements to user interface should be um influenced? Uh, yes and no. So first off, I have a lot of respect for Morton and his, his approach to, or his perspective on what he offers with, um, to WordPress. Now, if I know that he's written, so the first article, and this may be the same article you're talking about, but is when he wanted to use telemetry to help evaluate various things in WordPress. I think he had one more follow-up post that was tangentially related to that, or it, it was a continuation. It's an interesting to, to me, I find it an interesting thing because what it does. So first off, taking a uh, like a 10,000, I would say 10,000 foot. But if you know, if you're in the if you're over in uh, across the pond, maybe 10,000 kilometers, 100,000 kilometers, but view 100,000 kilometer view, whatever. Um, I think I said kilometer foot. So we'll just make up that measurement right now. Um, we're asking people to opt in to share their information. Now, on one hand, we think, well, we do that with Apple. We do it with uh, Android and Google, and we do it with, uh, well, with some Google, I should say Android. Um, with some Google, you're opting in just by using their services. Um, and we do it with uh, things like Amazon, things like that. On the other hand, some of us are extremely, um, we're very, very cognizant of the notion of privacy. And I'm not going into this is I'm not going into politics around this, but the overall political idea of privacy in the United States in a post Snowden world, if I can go uh, a post Snowden country, if I can go that far is to say it's brought privacy to the forefront of a lot of people's minds such that when it comes into opting into anything or opting out of something, I think that people, some people pause a little bit more than they used to. Whether or not that's a good thing, I'm not here to discuss. I will say personally, I am a strong, um, I am a very privacy-minded person. So I, rec I try to recognize when I sign up for something, what am I giving up? Um, and some people don't, and that's fine. Uh, that's their prerogative. So with that said, when you have users who have the option to opt in to usage statistics, for lack of a better term, and it could be anonymous. I don't know how people perceive that, if I'm being honest. I don't know how the average user would say, quote, I absolutely don't mind providing this feedback if it yields a better WordPress. I don't know how people would perceive it in terms of saying, mm, 
kind of like it the way it is. I don't want to participate in any of this. I don't know how people would respond. But in terms of if, 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 and this, this is a, probably a silly statement, but if we knew that we could get enough people who were using it to generate feedback such that it would yield a better WordPress, I absolutely think it's a good idea. I do think that we would, I do think that there would need to be a lot of disclosure around what is considered private. What is, what, how anonymous is it? What information are you actually getting from me? And then on top of that, if it helps inform core decisions, does that mean, you know, one of the WordPress philosophies is decisions, not options. Um, I think that there are places in the WordPress admin that, we're still asking users a lot now. That's just my two cents. Um, but would it mean that we're going to take certain things away from people and they're used to having those things? What do you do in that case is a better WordPress having fewer options, but then how do you handle the people that you've angered or the people that you've now removed and they don't know what to look for? So it, it is a hard problem to be sure. But what Morton is proposing is something that I think is worth considering or at least having a discussion about for the sake of producing a better WordPress and what that might look like in five years from now. But it's not without its very, uh, it's not without its fair share or healthy share of struggles, even just to get the idea started. I think there's a lot of points of discussion to be had around it. Yeah, I would agree with that again. Um, I'll just comment that I, I think the interface is starting to show its age a little bit and how that's going to be dealt with in a logical, beneficial way is going to be interesting, isn't it, Tom? Yes. Now, I will say I loved when they did the interface overhaul. Um I think natural response, depending on which blog you read, but natural human response is, hey, we hate change. So let's not, let, like, let's just hate it because that's what we do. Um, I liked it in terms of showing its age. It's funny that you mentioned this because I was just thinking the other day of like, when you look at your phone and you want to toggle something on or off, there's a switch type of mechanism. Um, we have checkboxes. That's a convention of the web. I get it. But uh, and I like the simplicity of a of a small set of controls that the that the web offers. But asking the question, should we move in the direction of having a more modernized um, like uh, Google puts out these design design patterns, not from a software perspective, but like material design. They have some recommendations on like, if you're going to build for Android, this is the, this is what a material design looks like. Having, having something like that for WordPress, I think could be really neat. Should we be replacing checkboxes with these little advanced things? I don't know. I mean, on one hand, it seems kind of silly. On the other hand, like you said, there's the checkbox has been around as long as I remember and long, longer than that based on my knowledge of computing history. So I, you know, I don't know. Um, but then in terms of also showing its date, some things are in there that uh, like, I remember when links, when the links menu was there as part of the menu, because it used to be uh, 
trendy to have a links to your favorite sites on the sidebar of your blog. Well, that makes sense. But when we removed that from WordPress and all that was really done was the menu item was removed. If I rem unless something's changed, I think the code is still actually in WordPress. But, um, you know, I, I would say audit, like rather than try to audit WordPress as a whole, what you do is you take a take a segment of it, audit it. And I think it would be neat, I don't, you know, and I think that, I mean, WordPress.com can do this so much easier because it's a hosted platform. But if you're able to do it like uh, like with uh, feature plugins, like Shiny Updates, for example, if you're able to say, hey, here's something we're thinking about. Download it. Try it out. Do you like it? And if, if now in terms of how you conduct that survey or poll people, I don't know. I'm not a data analyst, but. I think there's something to that. I really do like the feature plugin model. I like what thing like shiny updates is something that I think is more modern, but it's so subtle, which is good that I, uh, that I think that people almost forget that it hasn't always been there. But if you were to overhaul a ton of stuff at once, then you're going to just shell shock people. So if we want to see an evolution of the interface, I think it would take quite a while. Yeah. Thanks for that. Tom. Excellent. Um, about WooCommerce, obviously it's had a major update recently. Um, obviously, um, it was bought. Um, it's mm -hmm. uh, a lot of money's been thrown at it. Mm -hmm. How how do you see this going? Do you think it's going to be a major driver to the WordPress ecosystem, WooCommerce for the next couple of years, and uh, where do you see it going? I can't give a very detailed response to this. I don't do that much work with WooCommerce. In fact, in the last year, I've done one project and it was actually just a, um, creating an extension for a client. Um, and in terms of commerce, I mean, in terms of e-commerce plugins with WordPress, almost everything I deal with is, is digital. So I'll, I favor easy digital downloads. Right. That's not, and I don't mean the inside a debate between WooCommerce and easy digital downloads. It's just WooCommerce, you can sell anything with it. Easy digital downloads is, is a digital. So, but that's the one that I know. Now with WooCommerce, I think that having an investment, a dedicated team and approaching it from a perspective of we want to, we being the people behind it, the company, you know, automatic, whatever, you say, hey, we want to make this the de facto platform for selling things on WordPress. Having that mentality is interesting because right now you can, there's people, there's a, there's a handful of people that I know right off the top of my head who they want to sell goods. They're, in, they're involved in WordPress, but they still go to platforms like Shopify. And I don't really fault them because it's so easy to get up and running with that. Um, but over time, and it really only time will tell, but I think that with with the investment with the right people and with the right approach a lot of headway can be done in helping uh to push this e-commerce e platform on top of wordpress but right now even as someone who's familiar with um e-commerce from how to set up a site to do it when i look at woocommerce as admin there's a lot of terminology that someone has to learn and I think I always err on the side of like, make it as simple as possible. But when you have something like linked attributes, like what's it linked to? 
And an attribute is something that describes something else. So this is this is something that's linked to something else that's supposed to describe it. Is that what that means? I don't know. So I think there's a there's a I think maybe the best way to say it is the work is cut out for them. Oh, right. Uh, so, sorry. Um, yep, you caught me out there, Tom. Uh, uh, so that's a great answer. What do you think, um, John? I, I think I think we should wrap up the podcast part of the show and then maybe um, if Tom's up to it, have 10 minutes of after hours bonus where we can delve into politics and anything else Tom wants to talk about. How does that, <laughs> how does that sound, John? It sounds great. Um, Tom, where can we find you online and anything you want to promote? Um, you can find me online. I'm on Twitter. My name at Tom McFarlane. People always misspell the last name. It's M C F A R L I N. My blog is also my name, Tom McFarlane.com. Um, I do participate on Instagram. I don't know why it's kind of fun. So Instagram.com slash Tom McFarlane. And, uh, really that's it like i try to i try to chat with people on twitter when i'm at work but when i'm off hours that's that's it and then um, in terms of promoting things yeah my company again is pressware or, or the pressware company so pressware.co and i have something that i'm working on or my team and i are working on something specifically for bloggers um <sighs> There, I'm going to be working on something uh, th- right now. We're just calling them blogging plugins. Uh, we'll have more information about that on my blog. So if you're listening to this and you're a blogger and you're not a developer, but you're someone who wants to have enhanced tools, very simple tools available to you to install in WordPress, just keep an eye on my blog and look for something around blogging plugins. I wish I could say more, but it's one of those projects that's I got to prioritize. So it's one of those things that's a little further back that we're hoping to have more out about in uh, June or July. Now it sounds exciting. We'll be keeping an eye out for that. Jonathan, how do we get a hold of you? Oh, it's really easy, folks. You can get me on Twitter at Jonathan Denwood. I think I'm the only Jonathan Denwood on Twitter. <laughs> or you could email me at Jonathan at WP hyphen tonic.com and i just want to quickly say folks please um subscribe to the show through itunes and leave a comment um give us a review it really does help the show and any comment any reviews we'll mention them on the show won't we john no definitely uh reviews are good they you know help other people find this show so if you're getting value from this show be sure to leave a review um, and subscribe. We're, we're having uh, every month we're going up. So thank you so much. We couldn't do it without you. Uh, if you want to find me, you can follow me at my website, which is lockdowndesign.com, or you can find me on Twitter, lockdown underscore. For the WP Posse, we're saying peace out and get your dose. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.